This is live coverage of the 2021 Steelers minicamp live from Heinz Field on your 24-7 home for the Steelers. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Steelers Standard broadcasting live from Heinz Field for minicamp. And joining us now, someone you all are very familiar with. You read his work at Steelers.com. You see him appear on Steelers TV, and you hear him all over the place on DVE or Steelers Nation Radio. It is Bob Labriola. Bob, it's got to feel good to be back in Heinz Field. A little sense of normalcy, right? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, it, it for me, it uh, it started to um, get closer to normalcy rookie minicamp. Yeah. Um, because that, for me, was the first time uh, back at the South Side watching anything related to football for 14 months. And so, um, yeah, you know, uh, the vaccinations, um, uh, the NFL now has uh, come out with a uh, addendum to their protocol where if you are uh, fully vaccinated, uh, you are not mandated to wear masks on the property. Right. And um, so, you know, again, uh, I used to make fun of what me and Mike Pursuta and uh, Missy Matthews and uh, Jerry Dulek used to call football in shorts. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it was it was it was nice to be able to see some football in shorts. No, it certainly feels good to be here right now. We were talking a little bit about Ben Roethlisberger to start out the show today. Do you think he has built a little bit more confidence in that elbow? I know that he was fully recovered physically for the 2020 season, but sometimes it takes a little bit of a mental recovery, too, to bounce back from such a devastating injury. Do you think heading into the 2021 season, there's going to be he's 100% confident in that elbow? He'll start pushing the ball down the field a little bit more? Well, I think that um, certainly, you know, the confidence factor is something that players have to um, conquer. Including a guy with the pedigree of Ben Oh, yeah. Because, well, especially when it's, you know, a quarterback's throwing arm, a running back's knee. You know, the, the, that's the moneymaker. Right. These guys. And so, um, you know, the doctor can tell you, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's you know, it's healed, it's better, it's whatever. Uh, you can do the – there are different uh, machines that measure, you know, relative strength at these joints and stuff, and that can uh, yield good reports – but, you know, as you mentioned, you have to your own in your own uh, mind, your own level of confidence has to, you know, gradually come back. So, yeah, I'm sure that that's going to be a little bit better. Uh, passage of time takes care of that. And the other thing that, uh, you know, I've learned over the years is that, you know, when when somebody has a significant injury, like a throwing elbow of a quarterback, a knee for a running back, a lot of times it's the year after right. they come back yeah. that. Um, you know, it's really closer to back to normal or in some cases, you know, with the advances uh, in medicine and the way they can repair these things now, it's actually better. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that, um, you know, physically uh, Ben can be better than he was last year from a confidence standpoint and maybe even, you know, physically in terms of it being the second year back from uh, that major surgery um, and you know we'll, we'll just have to see I also though think um, psychologically Ben has always been a guy who has thrived when he is told what he can't do or can't be no or doubt. no doubt doesn't have anymore so I think you're going to see a little bit of that um, 
I can't say the word I really want to on the radio here, <laughs> but you have to have that. You know, competitors have that. Right, sure. Um, you know, um, you mentioned Michael Jordan in the previous. You know, you, we saw that on that um, – um, what was that series? The, the Last, last Dance. The yeah. Last Dance. Yeah. I mean, you know, you when you tell a guy, an elite athlete, an elite performer, what you can't do, what you aren't anymore – um, sometimes it gets their back up a little bit. And so I'm, I'm expecting that to be a little bit of a factor with Ben here as well. And there hasn't been any shortage of shots taken from national media oh, no, when I it mean, comes to Ben Roethlisberger. Well, my favorite is uh, – They've done it every year of his career. Every Why year, stop yeah. now? Well, but my favorite is uh, Mike Tanbaum, the guy who's been fired both by the Dolphins the Jets, and the Jets. Yeah. He's the guy who is such a, a quarterback expert that he used the fifth overall pick of the um, twenty. <laughs> 2009 draft, I believe, on Mark Sanchez, right? Who um, <laughs> should be inducted into the Hall of Fame? Of course, uh, any minute now. Any, uh, yeah, any year now it should be. Coming so, um, you know, a lot of what 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 I try and caution fans is, I mean, there's these guys are trying to separate themselves. A lot of these commentators are trying to separate themselves from the pack uh, because you know you can see constantly, you know, especially the big. Uh, network television, uh, NFL Network, ESPN. They're constantly um, replacing guys and people. A lot of change every year. Not necessarily men. I don't mean just men, but people. And so, you know, the NFL is a highly uh, watched and attractive um, professional sports league for viewers. And so, um, you know, a lot of times people do and say things um, to – as I said, separate themselves from from the pack, and uh, you know, ripping ripping guys is always a better way to get your name out there than um, sometimes being positive. Yeah. No question. But the reality is, I mean, he's completely committed 110 percent. Left money on the table to come back this year, and we talked about back money. Gave back gave money. Gave back money. Exactly. We've talked for weeks on our podcast and our show that it's so encouraging. You look around the league. Russell Wilson. There's tension with him and the Seahawks. Aaron Rodgers misses mandatory minicamp for the first time in his career. You got a guy in Ben Roethlisberger that's been here for almost all of OTAs. Completely optional. Veterans don't need to show up for that. But he's there, he's working, he's putting the work, and he's breaking in a new running back in Najee Harris. He's getting the chemistry down with his wide receivers. That's got to be incredibly encouraging, and that's the reality of what Ben Roethlisberger is. A completely committed to this season and getting this team back to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, th- I think they, uh, you know, the other, and Ben mentioned this a little bit in a Zoom call he did. Uh, during OTAs that while he always approaches each year as possibly his last mm-hmm. because you never know in this sport, you know, one snap uh, or as he learned in 2019, you know, uh, you think you're going to play a whole season and then your right elbow uh, prevents you from being able to do that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a very fragile uh, business, uh, professional football, but I do think and I don't know, I mean, he certainly has not confided in me, and I don't need <laughs> to speak for him, but I do believe that um, it, it, the, the odds are that this is going to be his last year. And I think yeah. that, you know, the competitor in him uh, wants to go out, you know, on a positive note, whether that ends up, you know, as Jerome Bettis did, right. uh, retiring with the Lombardi Trophy in his hands, uh, standing on the podium uh, with the confetti falling on his head uh, I'm not uh, you know I don't know that that's uh, possible it's very rare and you know in the history of this sport that that gets to happen but 
I do think that he wants to go out uh, with a, representing himself uh, a little bit better than he did uh, at the end of the 2020 season. Hey, Bob, real quick. Um, I know you mentioned, you know, the the shoulder and it takes a year after um, to really get back to, I guess, to, to full health or, I guess, a, a healthy mindset, I suppose. Um, do you think that that, along with last year being what it was, being so crazy, there was no TA, no OTAs, no minicamp, is that a reason, too, that, that Ben is here so early to, to get reps? You know, he didn't have that opportunity last year? Uh, you know, I, I think it's more about uh, that new offense. Yeah, uh, sure. Th- those things. I mean, I, you know, I don't think that, you know, Ben Roethlisberger needs physical reps uh, at this stage. I mean, the muscle memory that he has accumulated over nearly two decades, 18, right. 19 years, whatever, uh, is sufficient that um, it, it would come back pretty quickly. And, you know, if, if he needed some time to make sure that the elbow, you know, felt good, that would have been last year sure. at this time. So I, I do think it's more about uh, the new offense, uh, how he fits into it, what uh, the demands on him are going to be, and then how that will translate to the other players around him um, and, you know, and how he will interact with them on the field, plus no Marquise Pouncey. So right. yeah, there's huge. a center you've got to get a new center you're going to get, be getting used to as well. So I think it's more of those kinds of things than it is his elbow. We, we talk about Ben's leadership skills and showing up for OTAs, but you compound the, the coming back from injury, you compound the, the no offseason in 2020, you compound the this could be his last year as a Steeler. What do you think everyone else is looking to Ben as with everything that's, that's piled up maybe against him or for him or however you want to read it? This is a team who has had a leader, defined leader for the past two years, and what could be his last year. How is the rest of the team reacting to that in terms of buying in for right now? Because we saw in the draft, you know, we, we kind of like a, how they bought into Bettis in that right, last year. Right, exactly. We, we kind of, the Steelers made a lot of moves to make Ben as comfortable as possible in this last year. How are the guys doing that? How, how do you feel like that's going down? Well, I mean, you know, I, we're still really, really early in the right, process. Right. I think that a lot of the uh, bonding that, I think that you're referring to happens after the pads go on Got it. Uh, and they start hitting and, you know, those kind of things. And, you know, f- when you have a, a, a quarterback, um, the pedigree of a Roethlisberger or an Aaron Rodgers or some of those other guys, Tom Brady, they don't play very much in the preseason anyway. There's not a lot to be gained. You know, the risk-reward uh, quotient for those kinds of guys in games that don't count in the standings, it, you know, it's – Really, it's you know it's it's just not worth it. So yeah. uh, I do think that you know there are going to be some moments, maybe in uh, some competitive drills at camp, or you know once the real games start, or maybe even in a preseason game. Although I would doubt that. Where um, you know players know they just know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and and I think that they will see um, things from him. In situations, I mean, it could it it doesn't even need, even necessarily have to be a particular throw or a particular play he makes in a game. Uh, you know, it just could be you know the accumulative eff- uh, impact of him being there every day, uh, how he uh, is involved uh, in in the meetings, uh, you know, uh, 
asking questions of the coordinator, you know, being taking notes, you know, all of that kind of thing that none of us will see, but his teammates will. And so uh, those are the kinds of things that I think uh, for the people who don't have any uh, experience with him, they will they will see some of those things. I know that, you know, during OTAs, as an example, um, you know, Ben spent a lot of time with Najee Harris. Right, yeah. A lot of time with Najee Harris, working on, you know, throwing him bad balls on purpose, making him, you know, adjust to different things. Uh, uh, he would, uh, if it was a swing pass out of the backfield, you know, and it's, it's just one after the other, uh, and they're running through the – the uh, depth chart of running backs say. Now, he might throw uh, the same way to McFarland, Benny Snell, uh, Kalen Ballage, and Trey Edmonds. But when Harris, Najee Harris took his rep, he might, you know, put a little more loft on it or throw back shoulder or to tr- try and recreate the reality of game situations sure. where it's not necessarily – where you think it's going to be all the time, and you have to, um, you have to be able to, to adjust to things uh, that maybe you're not necessarily prepared for. And so, uh, yeah, the, 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 those are those are things that you know are happening. Uh, I don't know that it's a uh, something that is a black and white thing where um, you know all of a sudden everybody it's a aha moment or something. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think that, as I said kind of when we started this players know they just know if if you're good they know it if you're not they know it and so um i I think that over time um, the new people will learn what they have uh in the quarterback yeah well i'm glad you mentioned Najee because that's where i wanted to go here you talked about how Ben being here, a big part of that is breaking in that new offense. Najee's certainly going to be a focal point of that offense. That's a lot to put on a rookie's plate. I mean, you get drafted 24th overall, and you almost immediately that night shoot up to number one on the depth chart. Is that too much to ask of a rookie, or is this a guy with a pedigree that he can step in and handle No, I that? mean, you know, and I, I've told people this. Um, my wife knows that Najee Harris is the best running back on this roster. Right, right. I mean, it doesn't take – Seriously, and I, it doesn't take an expert a minute yeah. to, to watch. Yeah, just look at them. Uh, take all their jerseys off so that there's no numbers, and just watch them. And you can go point th- out, he's the yeah, one. Yeah, he's the one. Yeah. Um, so, and, and running back to, I believe, over the course of, you know, history to some degree, is a position where um, it's not that difficult to learn. Right. Um, here, here's the ball. Run the ball. Sure. That's your primary job. Now, know what a, hole you need to hit on one Right. Play. There's a lot of other things that go into being uh, a quality running back at the NFL level. Uh, and certainly, I think Najee Harris has a lot of that stuff. He is a uh, an all-purposes, all-situations running back. He's not a guy you have to take out on third downs. Uh, he's not a guy where uh, if you want to uh, throw a pass on first or second yeah. down that you're going to fear for the quarterback's life because he's going to olay a block on a blitzing linebacker and get your quarterback killed. Uh, you know, Nick Saban uh, throws compliments around like manhole covers, and he raves about this yeah. guy's work ethic and, you know, that kind of stuff. So this is a guy who, um, to me, has a lot of the things that you're trying to develop in an NFL running back and the fact that he was the 24th pick 
uh, to me is a blessing for the Steelers because no one can convince me that he was there were twenty four right there were twenty three players better than this guy. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think that, and he, he came from Alabama. Uh, right. That's that's a pressure. That's pack. A pr- it's where you want your guys right. coming from. Yeah, you know, Steelers fans um, root for a team that uh, tries to compete for a championship every year. Well, they're doing the same, same thing, thing down in Tuscaloosa, and you know, for those people, you have to do it undefeated, pretty much. Right, yeah, of course. Uh, so, no, I, I don't think that it's too big for him. Uh, I don't, um, and I, I think he's. I do not believe he will be a disappointment at all as a rookie. And Bob, about Najee, uh, real quick, you mentioned the passing game, um, and he, and Najee himself talked about, you know, splitting out wide and maybe running some passing routes. Is that something that uh, we can expect to see right away, or is that something that uh, Najee is going to have to learn? I know we have a long way to go until the season takes place, but uh, and I'm not saying that that he's going to be Le'Veon Bell, you know, running pass patterns. But is that is that a level, I guess, that that Najee can get to in the passing game? Well, I mean, you know, what he is in my opinion, is um, he is a, a, a receiving running back. You know, the, the whole Le'Veon Bell uh, as a receiver thing, you know, I asked when he was at his height in the NFL, I asked, you know, some coaches about could Naj- or, excuse me, could Le'Veon Bell play wide receiver in the NFL, and they laughed because, mm. you know, he's uh, a running back is running patterns against – linebackers or you know extra cornerbacks or those kinds of things you line up as a wide receiver in the nfl you're going against jalen ramsey and those kind of people that's Mm -hmm. a whole different degree of difficulty and so what Najee harris is and what already i think and what he uh will show is that as a running back he is a good receiver and by that i mean he can actually run a pattern and, and catch the ball do you remember that play last year? I think it was fourth down when they ran McFarland deep down right. the sideline and they right. threw it up to him and he looked like, um, <laughs> you know, an outfielder who couldn't yeah. find the ball. <laughs> Lost well, the deer in headlights. Yeah. Right. No idea what right. he was doing. Najee Harris has the, has the uh, skills, you know, to make that play. Now, you know, is he, you know, uh, uh, you know I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, a, a tough flight wide receiver. No, he's not that, and he's ne- he's never going to be that. But he's going to be someone that the defense is going to have to account for and pay attention to. And if they don't, he will make them pay. But is he going to be, um, you know, Chase Claypool? No, no. You you throw the ball to Claypool, Najee Harris runs it. Uh, and if the defense doesn't pay attention, you know, maybe you run a jet sweep to Chase Claypool, uh, and maybe you throw the ball to Najee Harris. But uh, when you need – uh, a, a play from uh, in terms of a running play, you're going to hand the ball to 22. When you need a play from a receiver down the field, you're going to throw it to 11. And you don't need to get too tricky sure. uh, because sometimes you just outsmart yourself. Well, how about that one play that Kellen, Tom and I like to refer to all the time in that Jacksonville Jaguars playoff game? The best catch made all day. I mean, bent through for, what, 500 yards, but the best catch we believe was – in that far corner of the end zone, Le'Veon Bell had to make a one-handed catch while being held by a defender. So I don't think it's out of the question necessarily that you can. But, of course, you, you, you shouldn't overcomplicate things. If this is the guy that is not meant to be Le'Veon Bell 2.0, he's just meant to be the next great Steelers running back, you have to 
use him how you're meant to. But with the, with the addition of Matt Canada kind of being promoted into a new face making the calls on offense, there's no question that he should be able to be used in any in any as any asset can be used. Right, and what you know, uh, you can look at this the way uh, teams attack the Steelers' defense. Um, you know, with when the Steelers had some inside linebacker injuries, okay, and you know you try and platoon, you know, use Vince Williams on running downs, and um, you know maybe um, uh, Marcus Allen on passing downs. Right. Well, what the offense doesn't need to necessarily cooperate. When they see, <laughs> you know, yeah. they see you you put your run personnel out there, they're going to throw it. You put your pass personnel out there, they're going to run it. Well, that's the thing that you're looking to have with. Najee Harris. Yeah, right. You don't have to put personnel out there specific to what you want to do because you have a, a running back who can do it all. And that's what I think that this guy brings uh, to this offense, and this is what the challenge he is going to present to every opponent. Well, when you're talking Steelers football, you got to talk about the defensive side of the ball. So flipping it over there, T.J. Watt, you know, he loses his partner in crime in Bud Dupree, signs with Tennessee in the offseason. There's going to be a lot more attention focused on T.J. Watt. I don't think there's any doubt about that from opposing offenses. Not to say that Alex Highsmith can't reach a level of being a very consistent, good pro in the NFL. He's certainly not there yet. He still has some things to prove. Do you think there's more pressure on T.J. to kind of take that game up a notch? It's hard for me to even say. He's been the runner-up, I think, for defensive player of the year the past two years. Can he take it to that next level when he gets more attention? Or is more of an onus on Alex Highsmith to really get up to speed and make people pay for paying too much attention to TJ. Well, I mean, you pay too much attention to TJ. Who's blocking Cam Hayward? Or right. who's blocking That's another great point. Stuff to it. Step to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Bush so, coming up the middle. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, recently um, the Steelers were blessed to have the bookend outside linebackers. And right. that's, okay, That that's a nice situation to have. And I'm not going to argue, you know, with their production or with, uh, their ability to impact the game uh, from those positions. But, you know, your pass rush doesn't necessarily ha- have to come only from there. And so, um, you know, Cam Hayward, uh, Stephon Tuitt are guys that, uh, you know, if, if a, an offense decides that they want to load up and protect the outside, well, then you're going to leave yourself vulnerable uh, up the middle. And the quickest route to the quarterback often is, up the middle. So uh, we're going to have to see uh, how, uh, first of all, how Alex Highsmith develops going into his second season. Right. uh, And, um, you know, how opposing offenses decide to try and block that front because, you know, I don't believe for a minute that uh, the Steelers only had two viable pass rushers in the previous couple of seasons and that, you know, losing one is going to, you know, hamstring them completely in that facet of the game so you know we're gonna we're gonna have to see how things work out but I do believe that there is talent on that mm-hmm. defense even though uh, I'm not trying to minimize the loss of Bud Dupree because you know this is a guy who uh, to me should have convinced uh, a lot of fans not to get impatient because it's a great point first couple of years you know, Bud's a bust. It took a while. This and that. And, you know, the guy played with his hand on the ground at Kentucky, and it took him a while, you know, to figure out how to play standing up, uh, playing coverage, mm-hmm. a lot of the things that the Steelers asked their outside 
uh, linebackers to do. So, um, you know, it's going to take some time. And I'm not uh, – I don't want to proclaim Alex Highsmith, you know, the second coming or write him off as a bust. I think that it's going to be a little bit of a process. I do think that Highsmith comes to the league, came to the league with some things that rookies often need to develop uh, that they don't necessarily come from college with, secondary moves. Mm-hmm. Because when you're coming off the edge in the NFL and you're going against NFL offensive tackles, excuse me, you don't necessarily, you know, two primary moves, speed around the edge or just power through the guy. Okay, well, what if that doesn't work? Yeah. Because there are, you know, there are tackles in the NFL that you're just not going to run through. Right. You're just not. Um, and if if then they get the, the idea that your your only move is speed, well, they can deal with that, too, yeah. and just run you around the quarterback. So what else you got? And so, Which I think uh, that's something Bud struggled with early in his career. That another, speed move was really his back, right. and he would just get run up the field the right. entire time. So um, Alex Highsmith came with you know some uh, semblance, and uh, again, I'm not trying to proclaim him a, an all-pro, <laughs> some semblance of you know how to use his hands, how to get to a secondary move, uh, and, and try and be effective that way. And so... You know, we'll see. Um, but Bud Dupree was a loss. Yeah, big loss. Definitely. But it's I, I like what he said, though, about it's not like he lose, you lose Bud and TJ's all of a sudden on an island. Right, you're left with the nothing else. The defense is still, yeah. there's plenty of all pros around him. Still. Yeah, and, you know, put the ball up deep down the field a few times. Yeah. And, uh, that guy will, that guy will snatch it down, field, probably. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned coming out of college. I always like to talk about how in the game against Clemson, he took down Trevor Lawrence twice. And that's not something many guys can say they did in college. I mean, we don't know the player Trevor Lawrence will be in the pros, but we knew who he was when he was at Clemson. And Alex he did Eismith, it at Charlotte. Alex Eismith, yeah. yeah, did a pretty good job of slowing him down. Yeah, so, you know, again, I, I think he's a nice prospect. Um, the Steelers drafted him with the idea that, uh, you know, they were going to lose Bud, which, you know, I kind of feel was inevitable given the financial situation you know, of the league with the pandemic and the cap going down and all those other things. Uh, And, you know, the Steelers have done this throughout their history, you know, starting with picking Jason Gilden to uh, Mm -hmm. uh, follow Kevin Green. Sure. Uh, You know, Joey Porter to follow Greg Lloyd. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it always looks like, um, you know, the end of the world. But uh, I think that there is a plan. The plan doesn't work every time, uh, but the plan has worked. Uh, often enough that you can have some faith in that plan. And, Bob, uh, lastly, it looks like you're probably the last question. In staying on the defense, um, losing Steve Nelson um, in the cornerback room and now uh, and also losing Mike Hilton, now uh, Cam Sutton is going to have to step up and, and be the number two. Um, in your mind, I mean, obviously not in the Steelers' mind, but is there uh, room for a little bit of concern considering that, you know, Sutton played more of a backup role and now he has an expanded role? Is there a little bit of room for concern for Cam Sutton being the number two? Well, let me tell you this. I mean, I, and I don't, I don't want to, um, you know, rip Steven Nelson, uh, but let me, just, let me just point this out. Go back and watch the Buffalo game from last year. And what Stefan Diggs did to him, mm-hmm. and um, seriously, this this narrative of Stephen Nelson, you know, being walking on water, really, it, it's it's just not there. And I love Mike Hilton, tough guy, good against the run, very good blitzer, 
um, he was a liability in coverage. His size was a problem. His size was a problem. Teams would match him up against either bigger or more physical receivers, and he could not compete. So, uh, yes, those guys uh, were losses, and, and they had significant uh, roles on last year's team. Um, but um, trying to paint them as irreplaceable to me is just not accurate. Uh, I don't know that, that who the Steelers are going to um, put in those spots is necessarily automatically going to be better right off the bat. But it's not, uh, to me, it's not like you're trying to replace uh, Mel Blunt and Rod <laughs> Woodson. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it works out. I do believe, and I, I think the Steelers' feeling on this was that of all, during free agency, they, got, they signed the best unrestricted free agent cornerback available on the market, sure. Cam Sutton. That's the guy they wanted. That's the guy they identified. And so I think that in terms of that player, um, they, they, got, they got the right guy. Now can they fill in in the slot for Hilton? Um, we're going to find out. Bob, we went through the offense. We went through the defense. The schedule has been released. What does Bob Labriola expect of this team in 2021? In June. Put a little disclaimer. I mean, I mean, you June, can, yeah. I mean that's what people do now. You gotta, you gotta well, make a projection at some point, uh, and you can, you uh, can adjust that. But what does Bob I'm, expect now I'm in not, June? Okay, I'm not gonna pick a number because I just no. I, just, I okay. I think my my experience is that it's uh, never wise to discount the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, because let me say, let me start with this. My approach to this is, I don't look at uh, a level of performance and look for the Steelers to reach that because that's not how it works in the NFL. The way it works in the NFL is you got to be better than the team you're playing that day. Yeah. It doesn't there is no it's not a it's not like gymnastics in the Olympics where they give you a number grade based on what you do. It's if you're better in the NFL if you're better than that team you're playing, then you get a win and you go on to the next one. Okay. So to me looking at the AFC North and it always starts in your own division. Um, it's it's foolish to discount the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the Browns, to me, are going to be an interesting team. I don't know, you know, after uh, coming out of the wilderness uh, and and making the playoffs last year, winning season, making the playoffs. Now, did the Browns build on that, or did the Browns? <sighs> we made it. I don't know. Rest on the laurels I, I, a little right. bit. Right. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that they don't have the um, the focus to improve upon what they did last year, but I don't know that they do because we haven't seen them have to do that yet. Uh, So the Browns, to me, are going to be, I won't say the key to everything, but uh, when you're looking at the AFC North, if the Browns are better than they were last year, um, it's going to be a highly, highly competitive division. If they're not, you know, I mean, you can look at the Steelers as a comparison. 1972... Uh, the Steelers finally won a division. Right. They finally won a playoff game. 73, um, the title of the book written about that team was three bricks shy of a load. Uh, and they took a step back. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how the Browns do uh, in 2021 and then, you know, gauge things from there. Well, Bob, thanks for taking 30 minutes out of your day to sit down and chat with us. It was great stuff. We appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Maybe I'll Thanks, see Bob. you guys tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. I can guarantee we'll that you will. We will be here all week covering Steelers mini camp. 
when we come back from the break. We'll start to look at a little bit of the defensive side of the ball, and I want to get into the rookies as well. So we'll talk about that on the other side. Keep it tuned right here to Steelers Nation Radio as you're listening to the Steelers Standard.